You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Why did Jesus have to die? Uh, That is our topic for today. Uh, And I'm going to give you the short version to start off so that you can fall asleep at any point. That's okay. This is, why did Jesus have to die? Because of our sins. So that's all you need to know. He had to die for our sins. But I'm going to launch into it uh, right now. Today is Palm Sunday. Uh, It's a day that we remember the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem as he prepares for his coming death, as you know. I mean, this next Sunday is Easter Sunday uh, when he rises again. Friday is Good Friday. We're in the the midst of Holy Week at last. Uh, In just a few days, we'll remember that death, his crucifixion. Uh, And so today we want to think more deeply about what Jesus accomplished for us at that place on the cross and what that means for us. We often think about the fact that Jesus died for our sins. Uh, this is the good news of the gospel. But we want to look more about, look more into about why Jesus had to die and then why was it Jesus that had to die, the Son of God? Why was it death and why did it have to be this person, Jesus? So we're going to do this through the lens of penal substitutionary atonement. Does anyone know, has anyone heard that term before? Maybe paraphrase as PSA. Oh, that's good. This is new content, so that's great. Uh, So this is a a theory of the atonement. Um, And so the atonement is uh, what happens on the cross. Uh, We become at one with God. Uh, And so there's different ideas about what happens at the cross. You know, uh, there's this Christus Victor theory where uh, Christ is victorious over uh, evil and uh, the devil and all these different things. And so different people have posited theories of the atonement. Uh, and so penal substitutionary atonement is one theory, and it's not, it's not I'm, I'm going to focus in on it, but not to say that the other ones are wrong. It's not the only thing that happens at the cross, but this is kind of the heart of the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the very kind of center of what the gospel is all about. I said, yeah, just have that in mind. So 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we're going to look at at, uh, these three different points, penal, uh, substitutionary atonement. We're going to break down each word. Uh, So number one, penal, uh, which means penalty uh, or punishment. The reason why Jesus had to die basically boils, boils down to our sin. Jesus had to die because our sin is a big deal to God. He died in order to pay the penalty that we rightly incurred through our sin against God in order that we might be freed from God's righteous condemnation. Uh, Many people will balk at this uh, this theory of the atonement uh, because they see it as kind of divine child abuse, that God would punish his son uh, seems too far-fetched uh, for the average for the average layman, for someone who uh, doesn't really understand what's going on here, uh, but that is a misunderstanding of what's going on, and we need to understand just how gross our sin is to God. Uh, we talk about sin a lot around here, and that's for good reason. Uh, it's because how you understand sin determines how you understand what happens at the cross and what Jesus has done for us. So sin, in essence, is rebellion against God. 
It's relational and personal. It's not just doing wrong things, but it's a state of being uh, which alienates us and separates us from God. And Paul reminds us in Romans 3.26 that the wages of sin are death. That is, our sin incurs upon us the righteous wrath of God. Uh, in His justice, He must punish evil. He must punish our sin. And so we need to be freed from this punishment that we have rightly incurred, this penalty of sin. So what is God to do about this? Well, He sends His one and only Son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for our sins. I'm going to pause there. Any questions? Are you all following me? Any thoughts? Any objections? Any discussion at all? I welcome it. Quiet is fine as well. Uh, so Stuart Townsend, I don't know if you know this song, um, but Stuart Townsend writes this song. He says, It was my sin that held him there. Uh, the reason why Jesus is on the cross is because of my sin, because of your sin, because of our sin. Uh, so an implication of this, I don't want to just be academic and be in the weeds, but an implication of this is the cross of Jesus Christ shows us how deep the Father's love is for us. Because of his great love for sinners and his desire to be in relationship with us, God sent his Son to earth to take on the penalty and the punishment that our sins deserve. In love, the Father willingly gave up his Son, and the Son willingly gave up his life for us all. That is how great his love for us is. Uh, so that's the, the penalty. Second, the substitution or the substitutionary part of the atonement. So in order for this penalty to be paid in full, we needed a perfect substitute to stand in our place. Now we need to do a little bit of background information here. So I think in the Old Testament, the temple system, the Levitical priest system, uh, God set up this model of a substitute taking the penalty for sin in the Old Testament with this temple sacrificial system. Now, animals were sacrificed regularly uh, for the sins of the people. And then on one day every year, the Day of Atonement, uh, a goat was sacrificed to make atonement for the whole nation of Israel. And this goat was a substitute to take the place of Israel in order to take the penalty for the sins of the people. But as we read in Hebrews, the blood of bulls and goats can't really do too much for us. So in order to fully pay the penalty, we needed a like-for-like -like substitute. We needed a human substitute who could take on our sin and be a perfect substitute for us. So Jesus is our perfect substitute. He stands in our place. Galatians 3.13 says, He became a curse for us. So some implications for this. When we feel defeated by our sin, shamed for our sin, condemned for our sin, we need to remember that Christ has taken on that punishment for us. He meets us with mercy, not with punishment, which is amazing. And in this season of Lent, it's a good thing to reflect on our sin, to remember our neediness and all the ways that we fall short. But doing so is meant to drive us to the cross, where we see Jesus' sacrifice paying the debt for our sin. It drives us to marvel at what He has done for us. Reflecting on our sin is not meant to be uh, leaving us feeling condemned and broken, but to be leading us to have an overwhelming sense of freedom and gratitude for the work that Jesus has done for us. 
And because of Jesus' reconciling work, we can stand freed from the punishment of sin. We don't need to fear God's wrath anymore because it's been placed on Jesus. That means when we face suffering or hardship, we are not being punished for our sin, but Jesus has taken that punishment for us. Uh, this, I was talking to my wife about this. Um, it really comes home to roost on us this kind of month, this week. We've been in a, a season of hardship. We, uh, I was just telling people, we, we went to Australia for a month. Uh, Rachel got sick. My 14-month-old son, Jonathan, got sick. There was rain. We, came, we flew back into Dallas on Thursday. Our flight got cancelled. We were in the hotel for two nights. We couldn't get a flight to Birmingham. We got a flight from Birmingham to Atlanta, then got a bus back from Atlanta to Birmingham. We got back on Saturday. Sunday night, my wife Rachel's in a playground chasing our 14-month-old son around. She breaks her foot. So, you know, we're, we're full of life and vibrancy. We've just had this great experience in Dallas Airport, and she breaks her foot. Um, so we're feeling very sorry for ourselves. And I was preparing for this class, and I was reminded by one of my mentors that sin is not, uh, and evil is not to do with material things. Uh, sin is a relational thing with God. And so it's not that uh, the things of this world are evil. Material things, our body is not evil, uh, but they're just broken. And so the suffering that we experience is not because of the bad things that we do. My wife doesn't have a broken foot because she's a bad person. Now, she's not a very good runner or athlete, um, but it's not because she's done anything wrong. Uh, but it's because that uh, the sin of this world has broken uh, the natural order of things. Uh, and so we need to be reminded in this time, uh, especially in the world, as we're saying, there's so much in the news that we can be feel sorry for and can... Uh, wonder about, we need to be reminded that uh, the suffering that we face, the hardship we face, is never punishment for our sin. Uh, Jesus has taken the punishment for our sin. We don't need to worry about that anymore. Uh, so that is, that is good news. Uh, but we do long for that time when the brokenness will be made unbroken, will be fixed and, and made right. Um, hopefully that will come quickly for my wife's foot, but... Who knows how long it will take for Jesus to return? Come, Lord Jesus, come. So, penal takes the penalty. Substitute, Jesus takes that penalty as our substitute instead of us. And then atonement, I don't really know what to say about atonement because it's kind of like a, a word that you use to define a word. Um, so I'm going to try and explain it as well as I can, but give me feedback if you're still missing the point. Uh, because Jesus has stood condemned in our place as our perfect substitute, taking the penalty for our sins, we are now counted as righteous in Him. So through His death, we are reconciled back to God. We are now at one with God. So taking a step back, thinking about uh, Adam and Eve in the garden uh, were perfect. They sinned and they caused enmity, caused alienation between us and God. And so through Jesus' death on the cross, we're now brought back into relationship with God. We can now once again have a relationship with Him now and forever. We're not just saved and given a clean slate, but we are saved into a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. So some implications for this are, in Christ Jesus, we are free. Uh, this is an immense gift to celebrate this Easter, 
that we've been freed from our sin. Uh, Jesus has come to make his blessings flow far as the curse of sin is found. We don't have to rely on our works to reconcile us back to God. That job has been finished by Jesus. There's nothing that we can do to earn our way back to God, and there's nothing we can do to lose that reconciliation that we have with God, because Jesus has done that for us. So when we fall back into functional works righteousness, we neglect the power of the cross. And what I mean by functional works righteousness is everyone has kind of a theology in their head of of God and of the cross and of all that kind of stuff. But that theology often kind of misses a step when it gets played out in our life. So you might know the right things uh, of the Bible, but in living them out, you kind of uh, fall prey to bad theology. You, you know, you justify yourself in trying to uh, get ahead in life, or uh, you get anxious about the things of this world. Um, so many different examples that I can't even think of any. Um, but the way that you live your life kind of betrays uh, what you actually think in your head. And so you, your functional theology is what you are actually doing as opposed to what you actually think and believe. And we can often, uh, sorry, when we fall into that functional works righteousness, when we're trying to save ourselves through our own good deeds, we neglect the power of the work of the cross. We think that we can save ourselves and that Jesus hasn't done enough. But Easter Sunday reminds us that God's redeeming work really is done. On the cross, Jesus has taken on the punishment for our sin. He has risen victorious over the grave. This means our pardon and our reconciliation back to him are secured forever. So penalty, substitution, and atonement bring us back to God. So why did Jesus have to die? Well, because he had to suffer the consequence for our sin in our place. And why did Jesus himself have to die? Because only he is the perfect spotless lamb of God. Think back to Leviticus 16, the, the goat who gets sacrificed. And only he could sufficiently atone for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is, as we say in our liturgy, the full, perfect and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And that is all I have for us this morning. Uh, any questions? Any thoughts? Yes. So say that again. He'd be right, right, right. Yeah. So what I'm not saying here is that everyone is saved. Yeah. Jesus only becomes the substitute. For those who put their trust in him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, I don't know if this is where you're heading, but let me talk for a little bit on what, I thinking, what I'm thinking about. Uh, it's interesting, in the early parts of the Gospels, Jesus almost replicates all that Israel did. Uh, and the, the Gospel writers are very... Um, I don't know what the word is. want you to see that a lot. I don't know what the word is there that I'm looking for. Um, vibrant? That's not right. Anyway. Cognizant. Deliberate. Yeah. What did you say? Cognizant. Cognizant, yeah. They really want you to see that Jesus is taking the place of Israel. Uh, and so in, some, in one of the Gospels, uh, Jesus goes into Egypt, and then he comes out of Egypt. And so they see that as a replication of the Exodus. Uh, 
and that happens with his baptism as well. He's in the wilderness for 40 days, just as Israel was wandering in the wilderness after the Exodus. Uh, there's all these different things that I haven't thought about for a, a couple of weeks. Uh, so forgive me for, for what I'm forgetting. But so, yeah, in that temptation, Jesus succeeds where Israel failed. And so he becomes victorious and he becomes the perfect. All of this is leading up to the cross where he might become the perfect substitute for us. Um, so that, that's a good, that's a good pick up, good point there. Yeah. Do you remember what, like, what at what point it broke through for you? And it was in Sunday school class when. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't his saying. Like, Augustine able, said that, but. Able to not sin. <laughs> yeah. And then the third one, if I'm saying it correctly, was not able to not sin. Yeah. Not a, yeah. Right. That's the day. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was so. I came back to see him. I hope he comes tomorrow. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, they're battling some things as well. Not because they're sinful. The grace, grace, and trust. You know, just I never got that. Yeah. Until, until, until he, and he was my age, and so everybody had been kind of a father figure to me. Right, right, right. And so you were rebelling against them, and then this cool guy comes and coaching me and disciplining me until. Yeah. 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 And I mean, essentially, that's what I was trying to say, uh, but in more complex terms, uh, that we are sinners in need of a savior, uh, and Jesus is that savior who comes and saves us, who comes and does the work for us, takes the penalty that we deserve, uh, that we might be in relationship with God, and that's amazing news. Um, I don't know if anyone in here is a reader. I have books to give away if you want to. This is like the most important doctrine that you can know. And so I've bought some books to give away. Uh, I don't expect anyone to be a reader. So if I take these back to my office, that is totally fine. Uh, I don't want to just give you doorstops either. So if you want to read these. Uh, this book is probably the best one, but it's also like the longest, as you can tell by the thickness of it. Cross of Christ by John Stott. Um, my one of my mentors said you should read this before finishing college. I didn't do that. I'm currently halfway through it. Um, but if you have lots of time in your hands and you want to read more about this, I can give you this. Um, if you don't have as much time, uh, J.I. Packer and Mark Dever. My uh, sister-in-law is working for Mark Dever's church at the moment, so it's a fun little connection. Uh, if you want to read about it, um, I think I've read this. I trust these guys, so yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure I've read that. And then if you're in the middle ground, I haven't read this, and I think it's going to be pretty weighty, um, but if you want to read this one, Pierce for Our Transgressions, uh, by some other guys that I really trust as well. So if, if anyone would like one of those, let me know. They're here to be taken. Um, any final thoughts before I wrap us up and pray? Any questions? Yeah. So is it the whole New Testament in talking about Jesus represent Israel or just the gospel? Yeah, so that's a great question. I was actually thinking about this late one night in bed. Um, Jesus himself represents Israel. and then he finishes the work on the cross. It is finished. He finishes the work of Israel. 
and then he establishes the church. And so there's a bit of debate about is the church a replacement of Israel or not? Uh, and I think it's complex. I think we become Israel in Christ. I think Jesus is the real Israel. This is where I'm getting into the weeds, so I apologize here. Jesus is the real and true Israel. And so we get grafted as Gentiles into Christ, into Israel through him. Uh, and so the church is and isn't Israel. The church is and isn't the kingdom of God. Uh, and it's a little messy. So the answer to your question is yes and no. Sorry. <laughs> Gray area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to ask I have to ask the boss when I get to see him. God, that is, not Craig. So, yeah. But the church is the Christ. The body of Christ. Body of yeah, Christ. that's right. So, I Yeah, I'm not sure what you're trying to, because there's a few tricky questions here. What I'm trying to guard against is that the thought uh, that the nation of Israel itself, um, kind of modern-day Israel, is a place where everything's going to happen. Um, I think Jesus is the fulfillment of that, and so the nation of Israel itself doesn't really matter to me anymore. Um, but anyone who believes in Christ has become that. And I'm not sure if I even believe that myself when I'm saying that. Um, it's just really tricky. So could that be the church? Is the body of Christ, which is where God dwells, that's where we yep. communicate. And, but he's including the Gentiles. That's right, that's right. So that means everyone, not just Israel. That's right, yeah. So the church yep. would be wherever you are, the church. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so it's no longer about uh, hereditary. It's no longer about being a person born into Israel, it's about being born into Christ, as he says in John 3. You need to be born again. So, yeah. I'm going to pray for us and let you go and get ready for the next service. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for your Son, who you sent uh, to take the penalty that we deserve as our perfect substitute, that we might be reconciled back to you. Uh, Father, we ask that you would Remind us this week uh, just how great your love is for us in Him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.